BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. There's something magical about unboxing. When you unbox BritBox, you uncover a world of British entertainment. Stream the UK's most brilliant series, including new and upcoming seasons of Shetland, Father Brown and Death in Paradise. Plus new originals like Payback, Irving Welsh's Crime and Archie, the story of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Cary Grant. Unbox BritBox and escape to the best of British TV. Stream with a free trial at BritBox.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I see the fun. I see the fun. The Diary of Jack Kirkman podcast. I seem fun. The Diary of Jen Kirkman podcast episode 201. It is listener email month, bitches. Even though I've already released two episodes this month that weren't listener emails, it's listener email for the rest of the month. Wait, how many podcasts? There are only two more weeks left in this month. You know what? That's perfect. What would I seem fun be if it weren't? Yeah, there's the 19th, which is when you're hearing this, and the 26th. Okay, so it's listener email month for two weeks. I think that's I think that's perfectly I seem fun. Now I can't find my folder that has. Did I leave it at the fucking thing last night? I am so stupid. I have a folder of listener emails, and I want to say I accidentally left it at the improv last night. I swear I remember bringing it home, but it's not here on my little table where I normally keep my icing fun things. Yep, I think I've printed out months of listener emails, put them in my little I seem fun folder. I had it at the improv last night because I did a show there and I had it there because, oh my God. And I came, <laughs> what is wrong with me? I don't remember losing it though. Cause I unpacked my bag last night and I would have noticed I didn't have it or would I have? Cause I've been fucking exhausted. All right. Well, I still have some I seem fun emails on my computer. It's just that I love that folder too. Oh, Jen. I mean, I really need an assistant, but I just can't. It's not that I can't afford it. It's I don't, I'd have to give up a lot of things in order to afford it. And I'd rather have my things that I like. Does that make sense? I can't have an assistant and a few other things I do with my money a month. So I'd rather the other things. Um, you will never be my assistant if you send me a DM on Instagram, so please don't. I know you think you want to be my assistant, but it's not fun. You will not learn anything about... You might learn some stuff about the business, but you are not allowed to talk to my famous friends. You will get my dry cleaning. You will organize my closet. You will be disappointed that I live in a two-bedroom condo and not some mansion. You will... Um, I'm not fun. I don't do any extra talking. I don't let you slack and I need you available. It's not a nine to five job. It would be like, I'd pay you like a 40 hour a week salary, but you have no set hours. It's as needed. And I might, you have to have to be available to me at all times. So it's not, you don't want this job. Oh, here it is. I brought it into my bedroom. See, I already forgot. Oh my God. You're like watching someone go through Alzheimer's. I had a meeting today. I was so fucking tired after I had an hour before I had to get on the phone and do press stuff. And I laid in bed 
and passed out, but I brought the iSeam fun folder because I thought I might actually tape an episode in bed. But if I'm in bed and I'm not sleeping, I'm actually upset. So I, I'm going to stay away from the bed. Oh, Chuck and Nancy. Oh my God. If some one more person says that. Ah. Cannot stand Chris Hayes. Cannot. I haven't watched MSNBC in years, so I didn't even know all the new players. Maybe he's not new. The days back when I was watching MSNBC a lot, it was Chris Matthews. Um, I hate Chris Hayes' face. He's such a bro. Okay. I shouldn't eat on a podcast today. It's so disgusting. Anyway, people, we're coming at you. Episode 201. How you guys doing? Um, okay. So, yeah, lots of listener emails. I don't even know who to do first. Let's just, let's just go to the, let's just go to it. So, okay. All right. You guys are going to be my entertainment because I have no life. I'm just going to be like, then I went to this meeting. Then I went to that. Then I rested my voice. Then I had a breakdown. I have a hundred things on my to-do list. I just got through four of them. But I promise, do you, I always feel like, oh, listener email is going to be boring, but it never is because you guys are fascinating and then I can, it, it, spur, it spurs conversation. Why am I explaining? You already know. No one's ever complained about the listener email episode. Sorry. Relates to woman in noisy office. Oh, these are the notes I kept for myself. Hi, Jen. Okay to say my name if you ever read this on the podcast. I'm, hang on, I got to get my glasses. Oh, it's happening, people. <laughs> it's happening. I need my re, I can, I wear glasses for seeing far away, like when I'm driving, but it's getting really bad. It's getting to like when I'm in New York, like a New York block. I'm like, which way is 14th? You know, I'm, I'm like standing on 15th and I need to go to 14th and I'm like, I can't see that far. I can't even tell by the shapes. If the sign over there says 14th or not. <sighs> Old lady eyes are coming at you. But I know that that's different. That's I've always had distance vision problems, but they're getting stronger. And then my um, need to put on glasses to see things. I'm squinting. I'm holding things under the light. What is this? That's happening. Not cool. It is weird to watch your body fall apart. <laughs> oh, maybe I'll call that episode this. This? Oh, Jesus Christ. You guys, I'm really running on empty. I don't know how I do it. I have like four careers and I'm not rich. What What did I do wrong? Hang on one second. Um, what did I say? It's interesting to watch your body fall apart. All right. So this is from a listener. So it's okay to say your name. I don't have her name here. I was just listening to your July 4th episode. Oh, we're a little behind on my way into work as I do most Wednesday mornings and found myself nodding so forcefully in agreement with you and the woman who wrote about her horribly noisy office that I almost had to pull over. Do people really have to pull over? I know that's an expression, but really you have to pull over because you related to something. I had a similar experience at my last job. A little backstory. A couple years ago, I went through a period of terrible unemployment lasting almost a year that really drained me financially and emotionally. Yeah, a year without working. It's like, ooh, you watch that bank account go down. Even when you're just spending it on absolute necessities, you're like, this is going fast. It's happened to me. After a lot of struggle, I finally landed a new job in my field. It wasn't a great job by any means, and I knew right away that I would want to get out of there ASAP, which still ended up being almost two years later. But at the time, I knew I needed to keep my head down and not make waves because unemployment wasn't an option. Yes, you know what we say in the self-help community, earn or burn. Sometimes you just got to earn or burn. Get that check. I depleted most of my savings while unemployed, so I needed to fill the coffers back up. So on my first day of work, I realized that I had been given the cubicle next to literally the most annoying coworker in the company. 
This guy wore headphones all the time at a blaring volume. He cleared his throat loudly every 10 minutes like clockwork. He's like me on episodes from last year when I had a vocal problem that I didn't know what it was. He talked to himself like he was off his meds, just a steady stream coming out of his mouth. When he did phone interviews, we worked for an industry trade newspaper. He talked so loudly, kind of like how people used to scream into cell phones back in the day and banged notes on his keyboard while talking. He's like the live, laugh, love woman. Oh, shit. I hit a keyboard note and I can't note. Keyboard key. Okay. It was awful, but as I said, I had it in my head that I shouldn't air my grievances to anyone because I thought being pegged as a complainer would jeopardize my job. Isn't that what all of us women go through? Although I don't know if this is a woman because I don't have their name. I'm so fucking hungry. Sorry. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Okay. After a while, I filed an anonymous complaint with HR of which nothing came. They put not surprising. 100%. I don't know what HR's job is, except to tell you that that's not HR's job. Someone wants me to watch. Mm. I just got an offer to write something for the modern love column in the New York Times column focuses on the many iterations of love, romantic, familiar, platonic, and pretty much everything in between. The writers of these essays explore both the quotidian, I don't even know what that means, aspects of love and the monumental. I mean, I do. Giving readers an intimate view of their relationships and the many shapes they take. I hate writing about relationships. It's literally my least favorite thing. Although he just said it doesn't have to be romantic. For this project, we're looking for original essays of 1,000 to 1,500 words on some aspect of love. I am happy <clears throat> to suggest an idea, but also very much welcome Ms. Kirkman's own. I mean, I got to write for the New York Times, right? I was wondering, can someone write about love in New York City? who doesn't live there and who isn't interested in love? No, they can't. Your column got canceled. Okay. Let me go back to this woman. Do you like when I read emails out loud to you and then stop? I mean, when I read listener emails and I just start reading my own emails, um, hang on one sec. Interested because it's the New York Times. Sorry. Interested because it's it's for my agent. It is the New York Times. And I can write about what's been on my mind lately and what is actually the subject of a show I'm pitching about taking a year off of men and I'm in month 10 Uh, but deadline is a part of my decision as I am pretty swamped any idea when they want it It really is true that like attracts like. If you're so busy and overwhelmed that you're sleeping four hours a night, you'll get more stuff. It's annoying. Okay. HR. Um, this went on for nearly a year until I was able to take over a coworker's office after he left the company. Also, in the entire year I sat next to this guy, he never said one word to me. Didn't even introduce himself. So weird. I love that we're like, what an annoying fuck. And he was so rude. He didn't say hi to me. But what annoyed me is that people would always told me that I should just get a pair of noise-canceling headphones to combat the problem. Number one, noise-canceling headphones don't work. Thank you. I want to literally, that's what I want to write a New York Times article about. Number two, as you said before, I don't want to go through my eight or nine-hour workday with something jammed into my ears at all times. Number three, why should this have to be the solution? Not to sound like an old fuddy-duddy, but is it really too much to hope for some decorum? Anyway, that's my rant for the day. Listening to that woman's story about her awful coworker with the jargon brought it back a little too fresh, even though I'm a few years out from it. 
Already have my tickets to see you in Philly. Can't wait, Cameron. Oh, thank you, Cameron. Yes, I'll see you in Philly by the time this comes out. Um, oh, it'll still be before Philly. So see you then. Hey, guys, I want you to buy my fucking necklaces. My fucking... Hey, I'm from Boston. I got fucking necklaces. You put them around your neck. Don't wait in the bed. You'll choke. So I'm really excited. My necklaces from Bobble Bar are out. B-A-U-B-L-E bar.com. And you can just search for the word Jen Kirkman. And the Jen Kirkman line comes up. They're fun. You can go as like cheap or as expensive as you want. I mean, there's only two price points, but you can make like a silly looking necklace. Like, um, I sent my sister one. It's like pink fluorescent cursive and it says cat lady. <laughs> um, what's been interesting is that child free and over 40 are my favorite necklaces. And those ones... You can get a like a $40 version and then a more expensive like $140 version because it's like real gold and really nice and real silver and all that. So I think those are great gifts. And I made those ones a little more expensive because I figured an over 40 person or a child-free person would probably have a little more money, right? No kids, extra money. But the ones aimed at the millennials, I'm not going to be like, hey, it's 140 bucks. So the, I didn't get, choose the prices. The bobble bar is like, you, you know, these are the prices. So I was like, okay. And they're like, some of them can be available as a more expensive version. I'm like, let's just do those two. Anyway, my point is, I know that child-free and over 40 is sort of my brand. So it's sort of on me to push those necklaces or not to push them, but to be the one more responsible for telling you about them. I've noticed that every time Bobble Bar posts about it, which isn't a lot, they never talk about those necklaces. I think they're a little squeamish about them. Like I had to fight for child free and then now they're like, Oh, we love it. But so I'm just telling you, if you can help me spread the word that there are necklaces out there that, that look like the Carrie Bradshaw necklace that say child free and one that says over 40, I don't know why I'm overly delighted that these exist in the world, but December 31st. It's it's a limited edition. It's only three months. So that's your Christmas present for someone right there. And it takes like four, it depends on, it can take two to four weeks to make and to ship. So I wouldn't wait. Um, and it is international. They do ship to other countries. I just don't know exactly what all of them are, but, uh, I'm, tell some friends. And if you, if you, if anybody out in I Seem Funland has bought a necklace and has it already and is wearing it, would you please, please, please take a picture of it? You don't even have to put your face in it if you don't want. Just take a picture of yourself wearing it. And can you please tweet it to the I Seem Fun Twitter account? Twitter.com. Twitter.com. Sorry, I don't know why I'm talking like that. Um, the I Seem Fun is um, Twitter dot com slash I seem fun podcast. Can you tweet it to me or you can put it on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash I seem fun. I might, it, it might be best to do that instead of tweet it at Jen Kirkman, because sometimes I turn my notifications off. Um, you can do that when you're verified. I, I don't want to see what people who don't follow me say, um, because there's just a lot of crap. I get a lot. So I might miss it if you send it to that. So send it to the I Seem Fun. I would love to see them and definitely tell your friends. I need as much help getting the word about out about those as I can because I don't think Bobble Bar is like that jazzed because it's a little off-brand for them. So I think it's my job to push it and I want to you know, make a successful collection so that I can do more of this. So that'd be great. Thanks. Okay, hang on. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Okay. Oh, this is right up my alley. Quiet massage. Um, I can't get enough of complaining about that. And I love when other people relate. So next lesson. Oh, hang on. I'm getting a call. I have to stop this. Okay. So it's five days later. That's how crazy my schedule got from that fucking phone call. Uh, uh. My dear friend and one of my favorite comedians, Andy Kindler, he always does this thing in his act, like, you know, like 
the standard comedian hacky joke format is like one, two, three. So he'll be like, what am I, this, that, or a third thing that's funny? And he'll say a third thing that's funny instead of another punchline. And so I always go like, life is all about that third thing. Life is a third option I didn't see coming. And I would say it in my head as Andy Kindler because pitching this pilot idea, and again, if they buy it, it just means they pay me to write the script. Um, and you pass it in like right before New Year's. So I pitch it to that. I pitch it to one network. They're like, yeah, make some changes. All right. They're like, come back in and pitch us. We're like, all right. So we make the changes. That takes a couple of days and like all these hours. Then they're like, eh, don't, don't come back in and pitch us. Send us the document. Okay, but how we'd been working on the pitch was for to be verbal. The document's kind of four eyes only. There's a certain way that documents have to look if you actually hand them into a network for reading. So that was the phone call I got was they need to see it tomorrow. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? It was 6 p.m. I was going to do the podcast and do, like I still have a to-do list of like 20 things. And I'm like, I cannot. So we had to work on that all night and the next day because we're dealing with like five people's schedules, whatever. I'm not complaining. I'm just like, it was just getting ridiculous to that point. So I was like, fuck it. I'm not even going to try to do anything ever. And then uh, the other network we pitched it to, they're like, we love it. We're going to tell our boss to buy it. And then uh, we're supposed to find out Friday at the end of the day. And then I knew we weren't like, I get these psychic vibes. I'm like, they're going to say fresh eyes on Monday. And that's exactly what they said. So by the time you hear this, I'll probably have an answer for a bunch of things. But as of this recording, I do not. And mainly this is, I'm like, oh, I hope that this particular network buys it. Cause I have to go to a pitch meeting tomorrow for another network. And I'm like, I just want to cancel it. Although I probably wouldn't be allowed to. You're supposed to pitch to all available networks and you walk in and you go, these networks bought it already. And you're like, wait, do you get all that money? No. What happens is you go, these networks offered and then you pick the network you want to write it for and then they pay you. But every network pays the same because you have a quote. So it's not like you, it's not like you decide based on who's paying you more. Like you have a quote. And so you work out that deal with the studio that you're working with. So my lawyers and everyone, they've already worked out like Jen is worth this. So you have to pay her that if you accept a script deal with her. So I, you, I get to pick the network I want to work with based on like, it's kind of like a gamble. Like where is it more likely to get picked up beyond a script beyond that, beyond making a pilot? Where is it? more likely to live if it actually made it into a series. Okay. Well, it's more likely to live on this network, but would that be good? Would you want it on there? Would it be annoying? Would, would do you think the network would give you annoying notes every week? Would they change it on you? So, and you go, well, I have a lower chance of it getting picked up by this network, but if it did, it would be the dream scenario. So you kind of have to like weigh it all out. I already know where I want to go with it. If it got picked up, we'll see. Um, okay. So I was doing listener email. So here's what's happened since the last, my entire toenail fell off on my right toe. And this is so weird because there was, it was no sign of it coming off. I had, okay. I've had nail polish on my toes for like 15 years. I have a pedicure every two weeks and it's always polish. I never have bare toenails. I mean, I really don't think I've had them exposed in 15 years. Um, but it's only until recently, and I'm boring myself. I'm actually just tired. It's, I'm doing this right up until I have to get up at 6am tomorrow and it's 930 right now. So just at the wire. Um, so, but I never had any like damage. Like when they would take the nail polish off, I'd see my real toes. Oh, great. And then like the last few months, I'm like, there's like a giant black bruise on my right toenail. But I was like, I don't remember hurting it or kicking something, but like maybe I did or something fell on it. Like, I don't know. I mean, you think I have time to remember that? So I think I did. I think it must have dropped something on it and been like, ow, you know when that happens, but like it doesn't ever really bruise. Well, mine bruised. 
but it was like, it was so long since I noticed the bruise from what the incident was. And I'm like, I don't remember the incident. I guess I just read that like, if you are severely bruised nail, it can fall off, but I've had this severe bruise for two months. So it was like, and the nail didn't seem to be getting weaker. Like it's my big toe. It's like a thick, gross nail, like nail toenails are disgusting. I mean, mine are gorgeous, but you know what I'm saying? In general, they're disgusting. So last night I'm like kneeling on my carpet and I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't even know why I'm kneeling on my carpet. Like I do this thing sometimes where I just like open up my purse and dump it on the ground. And then I was like re-putting things back into it. So I was like doing it from the floor. And I like kicked my leg back and it just, it's like a shaggy carpet. It's like soft. And I was like, ah, I feel like I just stubbed my toe or something. Something weird feels weird. Something. And I look and I'm like, oh my God, the nail polish is like hanging off my toe. And I'm like, that's my toenail. So I can't rip it off because it would be so painful because it's, imagine a flag on a flagpole, just like that. It's like that. It's like a flag on a flag. Ah, I cannot rip the side of it off. So I just don't wait till it falls off. And I have band-aids around it and I'm just holding that toenail still on there. <laughs> It's going to hurt so bad. And then I read it takes like six months to grow back. So I'm just going to, so gross. Perfect time for this since I'm single. Um, so what was I saying? So that's what's been going on in my life. Pitching, my toenail fell off. Hey guys, I really need you to be a friend here and, um, I'm really upset. I hope that, um, to make it selfish, but Hurricane Jose is coming, but it looks like it's going to veer off and not really hit New England, which I kind of thought it would. It, I just, you know, just life, my whole life as a kid of like hurricanes, like very rarely if they started down in the Caribbean, did they come up and like stay for long? It always rolls off into the Atlantic. So, there's going to be strong winds the day I fly in, which is not ideal because I've flown in when it's just normal strong winds, not from a hurricane. And it was like the worst flight of my life. And I actually did a podcast about it years ago on Thanksgiving with my family. And I was like, the pilot landed, like tried to land, like wheel was touching and it was like, whoa, and it took right off again because it was, it would have been too windy. It would have tipped over and uh, it was terrifying. And I threw up because it was so awful. And I just not, I'm not in the mood for that. Um, on my flight Tuesday to Boston. So we'll see. But I'm also worried that people aren't going to come to the show on Wednesday because of the rain. But then I forget it's Boston and people drive in all kinds of weather. But, and also like it might not even be that bad by then. And the tickets have already been bought. So 900 tickets have been bought. It seats 1,100. And I'm really excited because it's the biggest place I've ever sold myself. I've played for 10,000 people, but it was Chelsea's audience. I was just the opening act. Like no one bought tickets because of me, you know, they, by the time it sold out, then she picks her opening act. So it literally couldn't have anything to do with any of us that opened for her. So I was really excited and it's my hometown and like tons of old friends and family are coming and just the fans, I do it for the fans. And so I would just be sad if people were like, I'm going to stay home because it's raining. Like it just, it's happened to me last time I played Boston, the fucking Boston bombing and people stayed home even though they'd bought tickets. And I'm like, oh, I just want to do this show for you guys. But there's 200 tickets left and I hope it just would mean a lot to me, even though I've made the theater happy with the amount of tickets I've sold, like everything's good. It's going to look great. It'll look hundred percent full. It just, I just want that sellout. So 200 tickets left and Boston is a walk up last minute town, but how many people are me walking up if it's pouring rain, you know, oh, we'll see. But I really, really hope people come. Oh, why, why wouldn't we come Jen? You're so riveting. You're just yawning. And so all the meet and greets are going to be after the show. So I'd love if you guys got your upgrades to the VIP meet and greets in Brooklyn, New York, Brooklyn, New York city, Washington, and Philly and Boston this week. You will get all the cool things, the tote bag, the signed tour poster, the laminate, the professional photo with me. If you go to the Boston one, my whole family will be there. I told them they can sign autographs if they want, but they cannot get in the way, but they'll all be at the meet and greet. So anyway, um, I encourage you all to remember that my necklace line at the Bobble Bar, B-A-U-B-L-E 
jenkirkmanbar.com and you can just put my name in there to search it or you can go on my website, jenkirkman.com and right on the homepage is the link. But, um, oh no, it's not on there. Sorry. It's on my Twitter. It's on my Twitter at Jen Kirkman. And then it's the pinned tweet. Um, yeah, I guess there's one, like, I just noticed there's like a, so like over 40 and child free are like, you can get a really fancy, did I say this already on the first? Oh God, I don't remember. I'm probably repeating myself. Anyway, there's acrylic fun versions that are less expensive. And then there's ones that like you could spend hundreds of dollars making a super fancy one that said over 40 or child free. If you pick like real gold and stuff like that. So if you want to get a gift for someone, whatever, um, if you're a rich bitch, all right, but I would encourage everyone to shop and tell friends about it because there's only so much I can do with my reach. So, I mean, if you think you have a friend that would want to wear a necklace that says cat lady, or you can get her two necklaces, one shorter, one longer, and she can wear two when it says single cat lady. How fun is that? You can get in like fluorescent pink. I think it's like fucking the funniest, coolest thing. So I don't know. Do it. You guys, um, I can't stop yawning. I'm fucking sorry. God. Where are the listener emails, bitch? Oh my God. Oh my God. I can't even find them. Um, hey. Hey. I'm going to be very sad if this whole coming to my show thing doesn't work out. Thank God I have. Thank God I have a therapist. Come on, you guys. Why don't you call Talkspace? call them. It's a website. Why don't you go to Talkspace? I, 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 I can't even, I'm, I'm sure where we cut off. It's been seven days. It's taken me seven days to record this fucking podcast. My app kept crashing. My, every time I sat down to record the fucking phone would ring. I'm like, you've got to drop everything now. I'm going to do this thing. I'm starting to lose it. I'm starting to lose it. A lot going on this week. Media scandals. Everyone, stop trying to find a story where there isn't one. That's all I'm going to say. Hey, guys, if you bought my necklaces or if you want to just be like, cool necklaces, will you go on Bobble Bar's Facebook page? Just Google Facebook Bobble Bar, B-A-U-B-L-E Bar. I'm hesitant to say what's going on because I feel like someone will hear it and they'll post about it. <laughs> but I'm a target for paid Russian trolls. And I have been for years, as you know, my things, um, trying to get my shows canceled and all this stuff. They're targeting the bobble bar now and trying to get, trying to scare them into canceling my necklace line. And it's bad. Like it's bad. So I would go on Facebook. I know Facebook's evil, but just for right now, before the whole thing goes under, can you go to bobble bars, Facebook page and just take pictures of yourself wearing my necklace or just write, I love these. I ordered one or I'm going to just flood them with positive messages, please. Like, please. I'll even try, look, I'll even try to find there. I just don't want to see what the people have been posting. It's actual like targeted harassment. But when you're dealing with a major corporation, they don't really care what it is. They just don't want it to happen. And I can't stop it. Yeah. So it's facebook.com slash bobble bar, B-A-U-B-L-E bar. Okay. Oh my God. I have, I had to have a therapy session this week. Big time. I got to tell you guys, listen, do it for yourself, but do it for the people in your life. Go to therapy. I mean, I'm telling you holidays are coming up. Grocery stores, Halloween stuff up. It's time. You don't want to be handing candy to kids. If you're all crazy in the head. Now therapy isn't for crazy people. It's for everybody. I actually think the saner you are, the more you can benefit from therapy. Because someday that little veneer is going to crack right open. What I love about Talkspace is they're very responsible. This is this is not you, some guy answers, hey, Joe here. I'm just pretty insightful. I mean, these are real therapists, you guys. Talkspace is the online therapy company. For as little as $32 a week, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist that you relate to and feel comfortable with. They're not going to try to force anyone on you you don't want. I think you'd really love Becky. She's going to be like, I don't like Becky. There's something about her. I'm going to insist you be with Becky. You get to pick your own. It's like a dating app. Like when you guys go on 
whatever you go on, Tinder, swipe left, swipe, swipe right. I don't know what the difference is, but I know one of them's bad. You get to pick your therapist because this is a relationship. Each and every therapist has at least, it teaches you, this is the most amazing thing about therapy, but I didn't like my therapist. I'm not going anymore. It's like, yeah. Were you going to stop dating too? Cause you didn't like the last guy you had coffee with or girl. Were you going to, that's the point. It, it shows you what triggers you and you go, oh, I need my needs met in this certain way. So then you go to the next therapist. You know what I didn't like about the other one was that she seemed to criticize me and you can figure out like, great. Do you need someone who doesn't criticize you or was that person even ever criticizing you? Was it just your own projection? Well, who knows? But what that's the point of therapy is if you have trouble in your own life, like why am I always a person at work who has this? Or why are my friendships like this? A therapist can mirror our most intimate relationships and help us learn to be our most authentic self in said relationships. It is, it is not about you have to have a problem or feel crazy. It's all of us have things we do that could, we could always use some exploring. And if you're like super depressed and have big problems and you want to go to therapy, this is also a great place to go because each therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3000 hours of supervised work. It's the real deal. So to match with your perfect therapist, go to talkspace.com slash Jen, J E N. And to show your support for this podcast, please use Jen code Jen to get $30 off your first month. That's Jen, 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 talkspace.com slash Jen. Gotcha. Got it. And some of the other uh, great things I have is uh, you can text your therapist, audio and video message, or even do live video chat. So scroll around, see what kind of plan you want, see what kind of person you want. Talkspace.com slash Jen. Give that website some traffic. All right. So I think I was doing a listener email episode. Oh, goodness, people. Where is my water? Where is my Henry? Where's my water? Henry's my assistant that I don't have. God, the weight gain is not, it's just not stopping. I just know it's hormones. There's, I hate this app. It won't stop. Sorry. Okay. Let's finish up this email listener episode. Okay. I should be in bed. I have to get up in six hours for a flight to the East Coast. People, I'm about to have a nervous breakdown. Ugh. Okay. Still no word if any network has bought my script. (sighs) I just need to know because if I have to write a script now during my tour. (sighs) Okay, so. But I'm okay if they don't buy it because it's a script about my breakup on Christmas and it's very funny. And I've turned it into like a fucking legit like multi-camera kind of sitcom and it's funny. And, um, but if it doesn't get picked up, like, I think it's a flawless pitch and I have a lot of like muscle behind it in terms of like, who cares? But it's not just me going in. It's like people like, whatever, you know what I'm saying? Anyway, um, I'll know it's just not time. I know the universe will will give me what I need when I need it. So I don't have to worry about it. Um, that's one thing I can take off my to-do list. So if they don't buy it, uh, you can repurpose it and try to pitch it to cable. And there's so many options there. So I'll probably keep rejiggering it. But at the same time, I'll go, you know what? Maybe there's a world where this project was just to get me out of the closet about my breakup and getting me in a room talking about it in a way that comes from a strong, powerful place and not a place where I actually believe the bullshit that, um, my ex pulled on me, you know, like he, yeah, really ashamed. He had, he had me convinced he had his shit together and, um, it really threw me. It really threw me. I went into a lot of self hatred around it. Cause I just thought, well, if someone has their shit together like that and they break up with me like that, it must be me. But then I looked and my friends were like, he never had his shit together, Jen. I'm like, you're right. And I have to I have to think about what made me pick that. So I'm having a good time on my own because it is not time for me to get involved with someone else. Okay. We know this already, Jen. 
But I'm just saying, there was a lot I had to work out. And I think seeing how quickly I could turn it into my art was kind of cool. And just seeing how, you know, I have a good reputation around town. I can get these pitch meetings. Like, it was just a good thing to do. But it might not result in it getting picked up as a thing. But someday it'll go somewhere because I think it's pretty cool. Um, you know who loves me is like the person, the underlings of the person that can buy the show. They're like, uh-huh. So wait, is she like, does she have two legs? I'm like, yeah, she's like a person. And the underlings are like, I totally know what she's talking about. I've been through this thing and I've been, and the boss just looks at them like, well, all right. I don't know. Um, okay. So here's a listener email. This woman, she relates to me. She gets me. Where's my water? (laughs) You're just listening to a woman have a complete nervous breakdown (laughs) from being, just having too much work to do in this particular span of her month, but it's not always going to be like this. Cut to me six months from now. It's not always going to be like this. Quiet massage. Hi, Jen. First of all, I love your podcast. I find myself looking forward to it every week. Well, thank you. You can use my name. She says her name's Melanie, not Melania. So I too prefer to have quiet, no talking massages. I am a teacher. So when I get, when I go to get a massage, the last thing I want to do is talk and listen to another person. Many times when they find out that I'm a teacher, they begin to ask me questions about education, kids, blah, blah, blah. People are so basic. And I know I sound like a first year college student, but I swear to you in Europe, no one goes, what do you do for a living? It's thought of as a rude question. That's not who we are. I mean, I am my job and you probably are yours too as a teacher, but don't you have a zillion other interests? Like you don't want to talk about what you do all the time because you live what you do. It's just like, it's who I am. So I just want to talk about myself. Let's talk about a movie, but I don't want to talk. We don't have to talk. It is unbelievable. Now, masseuse baboose, right? We can't always blame them. I'm going to say every massage company out there, whether you're a little storefront or you're a professional doctor's office, you must put on the intake form, my shoulder hurts, whatever, whatever crap you make us sign. Emergency contact, who cares? Just send it. Don't call my friend, send me the 911 and then they'll go through my phone and whatever, whatever. I snapped her neck right off. Well, let's call her best friend who's in Chicago. Um, Put on there, would you like us to tell your therapist, like what kind of level talking will inform your therapist? Totally quiet. They can talk. Second option, they can talk to me about um, what they're doing. You know, if they need to, for medical reasons, be like, I'm just going to dig or three, I, I prefer light chit-chat to help distract me from whatever. Okay? That's what they should do. And then when they hand the form to the therapist, because she, she doesn't want to be talked to and her left shoulder hurts. Why can't you do that? That should be part of it. It's because that way, you if, it, if they start talking and yip-yapping, you feel comfortable going to the front desk after the massage and saying, actually, they didn't honor what was written on the sheet. And I would like a discount for next time, but you are informing the business that you weren't taken care of by the business. When it just becomes too like, well, it's between you and Maria. It's like, well, I'm never going to tell Maria to shut the fuck up. I want you to tell her just, you know, say we've had some complaints from clients and don't make it. Don't tell her who said it. Well, I wouldn't go back to that masseuse anyway, but I know. Okay. I'm a teacher, blah, blah. Here's an example of what I'm talking about. During one massage, the therapist found out I was a teacher. Yeah, she led me to the, what do you do for a living? Dangerous area for me as I'm trying to relax. So I told her and she said, hey, do you know blank? She named the superintendent of our schools. Me. Um, I don't know him personally. Therapist. Oh, I know him. He comes here weekly for his deep tissue massage. First of all, that's client confidentiality. That sucks. Me. Oh. All I could think about for the rest of the massage was, what the heck? This guy is laid here naked on this table? Then I could not get that visual out of my head. He doesn't look attractive with clothes on. I can't imagine him naked. 
Needless to say, I wasn't able to relax. So there you have it. You are not alone. We are part of the Don't Talk to Me During My Massage Club. I'm thinking next time when I go that maybe I will write a notation. There you go on the paperwork that I fill out. I prefer my massages to be quiet. It helps me to fully relax. Who the fuck wouldn't know that though? Like why are masseuses the last people to know? God damn it. I need to change the world with just this one point. I don't need to change it any other way. I'm not going to stop the wars or the hurricanes, but masseuses, shut the fuck up. Maybe that should be a challenge we give to massage. Oh, note: we can play the quiet game. Remember as a kid, adults would say, I'll give a dollar to the person who can stay the quietest for the X amount of time. No, I don't remember that game, but I'd like to play that. Maybe that should be, sorry, a challenge we give to massage therapists. Anyway, keep up the good job. I hope you find that quiet massage. Um, okay. Boston show. Oh, that's happening on Wednesday. Oh my God. Is the hurricane going to get, is it going to rain so much that nobody's going to want to come into Boston? But you guys, it could be a Narista and you're like, whatever, it's fine. I'm just nervous about my plane landing. By the time you hear this, I'll either have landed or crashed into Logan airport, but I hate windy landings. It's so scary. It happened once. Oh, I've already talked about this. Okay. Hi, Jenna. Graduated from college a month ago. Just finished my second week at my new job at Planned Parenthood. And what did I do the moment I got my first paycheck? Bought a ticket to your show in Boston this September. See that, people? A young person. I'm sure she's not making millions at Planned Parenthood. And she bought a ticket to my show. That's what you do with your money. This one girl. See, I don't want to be rude because I don't... Maybe I really don't relate anymore to like extreme... I won't say poverty because anyone that tweets at me like... I don't know. I'm going to say debt. Even if you don't have debt. Brokeness. Scroll, put on my Instagram. I want to come to your DC show, but I can't afford it. Okay, look. She tweet, She put that on my Instagram a couple of days ago. It's 10 days till the show. The show's $24. Like, I could make them more expensive, but I don't. I make it like, what can I do so I can get some profit and then the theater's happy, but not rip everyone else? I could charge $50. And the venues would prefer I did, but I know that I won't sell as many tickets if I do that. But I also don't feel like that's appropriate at this point at the venues I'm playing because I would just be ripping you off for pure profit. If I play a bigger venue and there's more that I have to pay for and more comes out of my check, then yeah, you have to charge a little more. It's like you don't just keep all the money. But at this point, I could rip you off for pure profit and I don't. So $24 to 30 and so it just depends on the venue and the size and what they do. But that ticket's been on sale since January. So I don't understand the kind of, I'm still on Twitter and Instagram poverty in quotes where whatever nine months is divided by $24, like that's saving $4 a month. And maybe that is too much for people. Three, six, nine, 12, 15, 18, 21, 24. Let's say it's $4 a month, five. I don't know. Maybe that, maybe I'm asking a lot. But I really hate when people say they can't afford it because it stresses me out. It's like, I, you know how many people tell me they can't afford it? I, this is my job. I can't give everyone free tickets. Like, it's just not how it works. And like, I don't want to reward I can't afford it when I don't have the information. Does that make sense? And like, when, why? Like, I just, I, I can't. And I don't, oh, whatever. Anyway, um, I'm a huge fan of your podcast and every week I've heard your call to buy tickets for your shows and every week I hoped I'd find a job fast enough to buy one before they sold out and I did. This is my new favorite person. I started listening to I Seem Fun while I was working as a nanny in Paris a few years ago. Must be nice. I didn't have many friends and spent a lot of time walking around the city by myself and listening to you do laundry and rant and read articles aloud made me feel less alone. Dude, that's how you should listen. Everyone needs to listen. You haven't listened to I Seem Fun in Paris. You haven't lived. Now that I'm spending all of my time with a six-year-old, now that I'm not spending all my time with a six-year-old anymore, that's not so much of an issue. But still fucking love your podcast. Casey is her name. P.S. I was the campus organizer for Hillary's campaign at a deeply Bernie bro school in Boston. Oh, fuck them. And hearing you talk about the election was one of the few things that kept me sane. Yes, thank you. All right, so this person had a fear of driving. And I, I read their story last year. And they wrote this to me like months ago and I haven't read it yet. So I hope I was helpful. We'll see. 
Hi, Jen. First of all, thank you so much for responding to my email. I really appreciate your advice and you definitely made me feel better about the struggle I've been having. Since I've been living here about a month and a half since I last wrote you, here is an update. The first few times I drove, I took half of an Ativan prescribed by my doctor back in Chicago, which definitely helped lessen my anxiety. To clarify about my fear, I'm scared of driving on the interstate, especially across bridges or anything high. I'm afraid of heights too. Go figure. Oh yeah. I mean, no one likes to drive over bridges. Like I have to drive through Ohio for one of my gigs coming up and I could fly, but it would seem ridiculous because such short distance. And I was reading about this really high bridge there and I'm like, well, is it quick to get over? Like, I don't want to get stuck on track, getting stuck in traffic on a bridge, like my biggest nightmare. I just want to like, want to get out and walk away. Um, ultimately I'm afraid of losing control of my vehicle and crashing it. Ugh, I know. And it's, it's scary. Um, it's scary when your mind takes over. Uh, I don't have to take the interstate to get to work. So driving to work has been relatively easy. A few days after I started driving again, I tried to go on the interstate in spite of my fear. I was already nervous because it was kind of rainy. But, sorry, but what I got on and the rain was coming down, I had a full-on panic attack. Oh, panic attacks are so terrible. My legs were shaking uncontrollably. Oof, that's a scary one, huh? And I felt lightheaded and out of breath. Luckily, the next exit wasn't far, so I got off and calmed myself down. That's really good, though, that you tried. I was able to continue driving, but then avoided the interstate for another month. I had another panicky incident before getting on an expressway while hungover. Yep, she wrote, terrible idea. It is. But otherwise, I've been okay driving non-interstate roads. Last week, I decided it was time to give the interstate another try. I took a half of an Ativan and put on some Britney Spears, LOL, to distract my mind. And I was able to drive a few miles on the interstate and reach my destination without panicking. See, this is amazing because you're developing whatever it's called. Like you're conditioning yourself to be like, well, I'll last time, you know, amazing. And all it, all it takes a couple times, a few minutes at a time, you're doing such brave work. I've made myself drive on it twice since then without the Ativan and I've been fine. But both times I've started to freak out right before I get to a part of the interstate where the road curves and goes up really high. That's okay. Both times I've gotten off at the exit before it starts to rise. Now I'm mostly afraid of having another panic attack, but not having an easy way to escape if I'm in a section of the interstate or on a bridge with no exits. Yeah. See, so I have a girlfriend who, um, not a girl, I'm not a lesbian. You know what I'm saying? What? She's a girlfriend. I have a friend who she lives in Australia. She's, she's, um, someone I know from America though. And she's going back home for a little bit. And she is like, I love flying. Obviously I'm like live in America sometimes. And she's like, I'm having panic attacks like in my life. So like, I just don't want to panic on the plane. And her whole thing is like, I need to be on the ground. I need to be on the ground. And I'm like, I know, but you can't be when you're in the plane. So you need to undo that myth that the ground is the only safe place. Like you must be the ground you seek. You don't need to be on the ground. You are grounded. You are okay. Okay. You are, if you want to be real nihilistic about it, is that the right term for this? Is that like, you're never really safe. Any second the bomb could drop an earthquake, a terrorist runs into your house, your house collapses. Like we're never really safe. So, uh, you know, what I, what I recommended to her is, okay, why don't you walk around every second worrying about what could possibly happen? If you're going to do it on the plane, commit to doing it in real life and just see how fucking exhausting it is. I might recommend that to you with the driving. It's like walk around every second and think about all the bad things that could happen if you don't this, if, if I don't that. You know, it, you've convinced yourself that escaping is the only relief. And it is. It is relief. But it's not the only. And you can easily combat that feeling of, I need to escape. I'm trapped. It's just, it takes a lot of shifting in perspective and feeling like I'm not trapped. Like I'm one, like we're all here together. I'm one with the universe. I don't know. It's like a lot of mind games. Anyway, I'm going to keep reading. I know that once I drive over this hump once, it will be less scary, but I haven't been brave enough to try it yet. I was just going to say, why don't you ask someone to come with you? And then she writes, I think I may ask someone to come with me for moral support. I'd love to. I would go with you. But here's the other reason I wouldn't. I want you to start freaking out and crash car. <laughs> like you said, it's all in my head. And I've noticed that as long as I don't think about my anxiety while I'm driving, I'm generally fine. Um, when I start to feel a wave of panic, I have to tell myself, you can do this. It's just a road. You're fine. You're fine. You're fine. However many times I have to say it. And I try to breathe deep, calming breaths through my belly. I got the book, Mastering Your Anxiety and Panic, which has been a helpful resource. 
as you said, I'm a grown lady and driving is a skill that I've already acquired. I just hadn't used that skill in a while, but it shouldn't be scary because of that. I just need to remember that I can choose my own thoughts. I'm not religious either, but I like the cheesy idea of the angel guiding me. There you go. It's wonderful. You know why that kind of angels and God and all that stuff works is because in that moment, you're actually surrendering to what you're afraid to surrender to. Like panic is, is your mind telling you you're not in control. You're not in control. You're not in control and you get scared. And when you actually think of an angel guiding you, you're actually accepting that you're not in control, but you're being guided by the angel and that's going to help you. And so if you can almost face the panic attacks, like, Hey, panic, I know what you're trying to tell me. I'm not in control. Yeah. I'm not fucking stupid panic. Of course I'm not in control. I'm a human being on the earth. You think I have control? I couldn't, I didn't get here on my own. I didn't decide to come here. You know, like, yeah, thanks panic. Real helpful. You can just be a bitch to your panic. I also think like, if you can just, another technique that my doctor taught me is like, try to have a panic attack sometime. Just try to, like when you're driving. And if you see how easy it is to be brought on, you can see that like, oh, this is within my control. And if you can't have one, then that's great. Then you don't get to have a panic attack. But I know that seems freakish to do, but that started to help me. Thanks. Oh God, I'm sorry. I'm so fucking tired, you guys. Thanks again for your advice. I listened to it while I was driving to work. You are awesome. And I Fucking love your Netflix specials and both your books. Fuck the haters. Um, I'm really excited about your necklace line. I'm turning 30 this year, so I'm considered a millennial. I think you'll do a great job of reaching the audience. I hope so. You know what happened? I already said it. Um, All right. Wait, this person wrote a long thing that I'm confused about. I I can't read that now. It's too much. Um, okay, this, this is more things men shouldn't say to women. Uh, this is from Kate. She says... Uh, this woman bought VIP tickets to my show at the Howard Theater. Well, I'm excited to meet you, and I hope other people do too. Ugh. She said she thinks it's a reasonable price and a great experience. I say you're right. Okay, this is from Kate. Um, Hi, Jen. Huge fan of the podcast or stand-up, and I finally bought and read your first book a few months ago. Currently debating if I want to go to printed or audio for book two. I would go printed because I'm so sick of hearing my fucking voice that I don't know why you would want to hear more of it, but anyway... I just moved to a new office at my job yesterday, so I'm still getting settled in. I'm a nursing educator, so part of my job involves being in an office at a computer. The other part involves being in my unit of the hospital educating nursing staff. I read that weird. The other part involves being in my unit of the ho- The other part involves being in my unit of the hospital educating nursing staff. This morning I'm sitting in my office doing the computer part of my job. And a maintenance guy happens to be in the general area working on some project. He has stopped at my door and asked me a few questions directly related to what he was working on. No problem. I'll answer. But on his way out, he stops at my half open door, interrupts me as I'm working to say, geez, how do you just sit at that computer all day? I politely inform him that this is only part of my job and no worries. I'll be out and about later out on in the day, blah, blah. But I have a sneaking suspicion that if I had in mail, this conversation would never have happened. Just a classic example of some non-sexual harassment I would not expect to, I would not be expected to tolerate if I had a different anatomy. Hey, that's a fucking genius way to put it. Here's another one. This one's from Zoe or Zoe. It's spelled Zoe, but maybe it's Zoe. I wonder if that guy that wrote me, I'm this is misandry when you read the misandry. Meow. Okay. That's what I hear in my head when people criticize the podcast. I'm writing in because of your topic of shit men say to women that isn't sexual, but still kind of off. Got me thinking to an incident a few weeks ago. I was at the supermarket grocery store. She says in parentheses near my work, just getting some fruit for my morning snack. I start work at 7am. So by nine, it's been three hours since breakfast and another three until lunch. So quick trip to the store helps break up the day and keeps me from gnawing an arm off. 
Anyway, I'm standing in line at the registers with an apple and a banana and a few people are behind me. So they open another register and ask me to come forward. I do. And the guy behind me quips, yeah, for all of your two pieces of fruit and then grins at me. I'm about to tell him to go fuck himself when the thought occurs that he might not respond well and could follow me the 300 meters back to my workplace. So I content myself with giving him the stink eyes several times before leaving the store. I just can't shake the feeling that if I were a dude, he would say nothing. He's not entitled to my damn time. Reclaiming my time. I can't. I mean, it's just always applicable. Someone wants advice about something. I don't know. What do you guys ask me advice for? You've seen my life. Um, all right. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Anyway. All right. I'm into the vomit. I'm so tired. All right. Well, another riveting episode. Uh, I, I mean, did you think it could get more riveting? Episode 201. This girl is on fire. Until next week, have fun.